Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork, A Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined uh, this very early spring morning by the man in a very sunny shirt, Spencer Horn. Spencer, yeah. how you doing? I'm feeling just golden and sunny. It was beautiful this morning on my hike. There was fresh snow. You know how I love that. And then, you know, the song Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles was just playing in my mind as I was out there hiking. And so, yeah, this is uh, this is my sunshine shirt. All right. Well, <laughs> it's not Sunday, but it is a sunny day, and it's great to be with you, Spencer. If I recall, I think we're going to be enjoying our favorite food hangout here right after this podcast is over. So we're not going to go too long because we can't keep the food waiting, but I'm super excited to actually see you and our and our good friend, uh, Patrick. At Red right. Iguana. I think we uh, I think we need to talk to Red Iguana about some sponsorship. You know, we, talk, <laughs> we talk about them so much over the last 20 years. Well, we've donated a lot of funds uh, to their cause. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, we have, as uh, as do many others, because it's so good. It's great food. It is good to delicious. be with you, man. I'm so excited. I, I hear you're. You know, you're starting your speaking career. You know, you've been speaking forever, but you're starting to. The secret is out, Christian. I just, I have to say, you've got uh, chapters around the world that are starting to ask you to come do events uh, to to speak to project management, which we're going to be talking about today. So, I'm, I, you know, I'm not surprised, and uh, I'm so excited for uh, to, to well. hear of your speaking career growing. <laughs> Uh, well, I've totally fallen into this, or rather, you've kind of pushed me into it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't say that uh, in a derogatory way. I, I really appreciate you uh, introducing me into this world and introducing me to your clients. It's been a lot of fun. And and I'm just kind of seeing where this is going. I, I had no plan for this. It's just something that's happening organically. And yeah, and it's uh, it's a tremendous amount of fun. And, and again, I... I can't thank you enough, Spencer, for for all you've done to help me. Well, for those of you listening, uh, you know, Christian entered, uh, joined the National Speakers Association, and he joined our local chapter. And we actually had our first ever storytelling contest. And and Christian's like, oh, he's listening. To all, he was like one of the last speakers to go. Were you the second to last speaker? I was the last one. And he was so anxious. I'm talking to all those you listening. He was just like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I, I? I can't even think. I can't even remember what I'm going to be talking about. And I was like, dude, you're going to be fine. He won second place. And he's like, I'm not a speaker. And you got all these professional speakers. And Christian, you are just, everybody that meets you is just so impressed at your thoughtfulness. You're just you bring so much to your clients and to this podcast, which is one of the reasons why I love uh, love having you as uh, you know the host and and just joining you because you're the yin to my yang. <laughs> well, thank you so much for the very kind compliment, Spencer. And I guess that means lunch is on me, right? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that'd be great. I think it's my turn, but, but that'd be great. Well, we've got a super exciting topic here today. Mm -hmm. This came across my LinkedIn feed. It was a post made by our good friend Xenia in Cyprus. Yep. And she posted this report that was published by Project Management Institute highlighting this tremendous talent gap. Right. For project professionals. The report shows that, that, that there's a shortage of like 25 million people by 2030. 
2.3 new what is it 2.3 million in demand every every year year. yeah every year which i found quite interesting because what we've been hearing about on the media so much are tech layoffs and chat gpt coming for all of our jobs right (laughs) so you're really deeply embedded in this project management environment but this extends beyond project management. It really These does. Project-oriented skills that are needed in the workplace. And so I sent you this article because I was uh, excited to share it with you. And what were your first impressions when you when you saw this, Spencer? Well, it's 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 wonderful that the the profession of of project management is getting so much attention. You know, there's uh, six hundred thousand. PMI members worldwide, yet there are many, many more, to your point, that fill the role of project management throughout organizations. And organizations absolutely require competent people to manage all their projects. I mean, every organization has projects, whether it be implementing new software or developing software, developing new systems, planning an event, um, hiring, you know, strategically for certain positions and and many organizations have to do that regularly. That is in many cases, an ongoing project constructing, you know, new facilities, adding new programs, uh, marketing is, it, it can be considered projects, right? I mean, so you have all of these activities that need to be managed by someone that is competent and efficient at, at what they're doing. And typically, it seems like the, the the people that are attracted to project management are 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 individuals that have a lot of technical expertise, and that has been the tradition for the profession for you know fifty plus years. But really, in the last several years, the the focus has been on that those skills are just not enough anymore. They're, they're not enough. As a matter of fact, you, you know, you and I have talked a lot about technology. You actually spoke about uh, chat GPT in your, uh, in your storytelling contest. I talk about staying relevant in the age of big data and I, AI. I've been talking about that for many, many years. And what we have learned is that the skills that are required to be successful in any position, and especially project management, are what are known by PMI called power skills. And these power skills have little to do with, you know, tech, you know, the technical aspects of the job. They have everything to do with things like communication, problem solving, strategic thinking, collaborative leadership. Because if you think about getting a job done, you, you just can't do it by yourself. You need a team, the complex projects that are going around the world and why we need 2.3 million project managers every year is there is a backlog of projects, huge construction projects, uh, all kinds of development projects worldwide through 2030 that require that many people. So that should give some hope to people that are worried about you know, what, what we now consider the VUCA world, right? Volatile, uncertain, uh, uh, what is it? Chaotic <laughs> and ambiguous. I, I think I got one of those wrong. Um, uh, I think that's right. Uh, what's interesting to me is in the opening paragraph of this article or a couple of paragraphs, Yeah. when it looks at project-oriented uh, positions or yeah. professionals, 
it says that the world needs problem uh, problem solvers, relationship builders, people who can drive change and deliver strategic value. Yeah. And what's interesting to me is the absence of knows how to create a Gantt chart, uh, <laughs> is, is uh, you know, proficient in Microsoft Project Enterprise Server, uh, those more technical skills, uh, you know, for that we typically relate to traditional project managers. Uh, these are, as you said, much more human related skills. And this is where the gap is. That's and, right. and so why don't you talk about that a little bit? Because oftentimes we think, oh, I need to, I need to get, you know, I, I need to become more familiar with the technology and the tools, which is important. But these power skills that you talked about are the ones that are absolutely essential. Yeah, and, and and so when we talk about the gap, the gap between I would say high performance and you know the best project managers or even the best you know employees or, or managers in any position, and those that just do the job, uh, that's the gap that is filled by the power skills. So for you listening, that that does not mean that you don't need those certifications. That does not mean that you don't know, you know, that you don't need to know how to do a quote unquote Gantt chart, which is, you know, kind of an old waterfall methodology. Uh, doesn't mean you don't need to understand agile, you know, in terms of uh, managing a project or even software development. Now agile is being applied to just about any, any, you know, field in, in, in uh, the, the workplace, not just in software development, even in HR, they apply agile principles. But those certifications still have value because as part of being a, a, you know, a productive project manager, you have to be able to know how to be efficient and manage risk and, and, you know, do all those, the, those typical organizational and planning, uh, tasks. I will call that pay to play. What do I mean by that? Think of a, a doctor. I mean, you, you want your doctor operating on you to have the, the, the necessary skills to, to do a job well and, and not kill you, right? That's a pay to play skill. I mean, you need to have the uh, an understanding of, of physiology and, and biology and, and, uh, anatomy and all the things that, that go with being a, a good doctor and pathology and, and everything. So you need that. The difference is, the gap is, is how you create engagement with the nurses, the other doctors, the staff, the patients, how you treat the patients, how you deliver, you know, the, the treatment plans, how you get buy-in in the treatment plans, how with the project manager you, you get different departments to willingly work together when you don't have the authority to do so. How do you talk to management? How do you talk to the client in a way that gets their buy-in and is not just transactional? Those are the power skills that really fill that gap between high performance and just the pay-to-play skills that that brought you to the the profession or the dance. So that raises an interesting point here, which is I think in the past, organizations or even in higher education, we have focused on the more technical skills and not as much on these power skills. Right. And that is why, or it's one reason why we might be seeing challenges uh, in developing 
high performing teams and organizations because even though the technical capabilities are there uh these the the training and the education and quite honestly the the incentives uh for these power skills may not be there and so uh what is your what is your take on this with with organizations who who you know most large organizations have budgets for for training and development and so on and so forth uh how should they be allocating these budgets well first of all that, that's a great question let me let me just comment on why we don't see uh, typically we're starting to see a, a, a huge focus on on power skills and it is filling a gap that is left by education education typically has focused on many what we quote quote unquote hard skills why because you can measure it because you know if you follow a scientific methodology if you want to test somebody's capability you can you know you you can see if they can add or they can diagram a sentence or they can you know you, you can measure and therefore uh universities and professors can be graded as to their ability to 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 deliver a service which is education it is harder to measure leadership it's harder to measure uh impact, you know, in terms of just the ability to influence people, that's a harder thing to measure. And so because of that, we tend to focus on those things that we can very easily measure, you know, key performance indicators in business are often about revenue, right? And costs and, and expenditures and, and, and so on. And, and those are important measures. And so I think that's one of the reasons why education has really developed around harder skills just because it's easier. So what do we do? Uh, you know, we get to understand the impact and, and, and I'll, and I'll give you a, an example. I I'm speaking at the up, up, upcoming project management, uh, institutes leadership in, uh, um, it's called leadership Institute meetings which are LIM, and they have LIM Asia Pacific, they have LIM North America, people come from all over the world. This will be in San Diego in a couple of weeks. And the number one requested topic coincides with this report for chapter leaders who are struggling to get volunteer engagement in their chapters. And I'll explain that in, in, in just a moment. And it's not just Project Management Institute. I just spoke last week at Las Vegas at the construction. I mean, it was a worldwide construction conference in in Las Vegas, and then you had all the associated associations of that. And I got I was speaking at one called uh, AGC Associated General Contractors Association, where they had all the chapter leaders. So all of the different AGC chapters would come to this and there was a special meeting just for them. And I was speaking to the presidents the, uh, and their chief staffs. And they had the exact same issue, shortage of qualified workers, disengagement with, with volunteers and, and members not, not participating in, in the chapters the way uh, they had hoped. And the same thing is happening in organizations. You have high turnover rates. We've been talking about those for this you know, last couple of years. Why? Because people want to work for an organization 
where they have opportunity to grow, to de develop, where it's positive, where they know people care about them, where they feel uh, like they're making a difference, where they have an opportunity to make a great income. People are involved in a nonprofit or association where their voices are heard, where they feel like they're making a difference, where there's a positive culture, where there is excellent communication and motivation and engagement. The problems are the same within organizations, uh, you know, for-profit or, or non-profit. And so the, the, the leadership is recognizing, hey, we're getting in our own way. Right now, we have, a, we have an engagement problem. And part of the problem is, is that we're part of the problem. So we need to learn how to communicate better. We need, we need to learn how to problem solve better, to collaborate better. And, uh, and that's why I think we, we are seeing a, a huge swing and, and shift towards these power skills. Did I answer your question? I can't. You did. You did. And talking about communication in the survey that was cited in the article, the PMI Pulse of the Profession survey, communication was identified as the number one skill, the most important skill for project-oriented professionals to possess, 68%, yeah. uh, followed by problem-solving, collaborative leadership, and strategic thinking. And again, I kind of come back to education here. If this skill is so critical, and and I'll tell you, I, I corroborate this with my own experience working in the Olympic Games. Yeah. Because in the Olympic Games, the people that I've talked to have mentioned communication is the number one challenge that organizing committees face, and it's the number one solution to the problems. So if communication is so vital, uh, why don't we spend more time on that, not just in our formal uh, uh, education or higher, you know, higher education institutions, but also in the workplace? Uh, and you said it's trending, uh, it, it's changing. The, the, the winds of change are blowing and, and people are now putting more emphasis on these power skills. But I, well, I'm gonna... this just shocks me that, that communication as mentioned is so vital. And so yet... let me ask you this. In your work with, I'm totally throwing you on the spot here. In your work with the with the IOC and, and organizing committees, has there been a focus on communication in those organizations? Yes, but not to the the, the level of investment. Okay, is not aligned with the perceived importance of this skill. Okay, I'll just say it flat out. You know, and I and well, I suspect that's true for a lot of organizations. So, so here's here's also my experience. I it, working in in project management and and other nonprofits, they acknowledge the need for communication, and as a matter of fact, they hire lots of quote unquote communication experts. I attended the the global conference in Las Vegas. There were many speakers on communication, and that topic was was covered. I think part of the problem is, is that there's too much of a focus on, I, I don't, I, I'm just thinking about this as, as we're speaking. I think there's just too much of a focus on, you know, here's how you communicate and understanding and some self-awareness. I think that's a good start. There is a, a paucity if that's a, for those who maybe other countries, a, a great a, word, a, a, a shortage of how do we 
learn to adapt. And and so let, let me let me put it this way. I imagine that if I asked a room full of people why they got involved in, you know, a, a project management chapter, why they volunteered, a lot of the answers would be very similar. You know, they wanted to they wanted to give back, they wanted to serve, they wanted to network and develop their skills, um, or they feel gratitude for for what they've been taught and, and want to help others. Some people, a, a rare few, may want to do it for personal gain and, and exposure and brand and resume building. And, you know, that's, that's okay. But I would say a majority of people do it because they, they want to serve and they want to uh, give back to the community. And from, from doing that, they, they benefit so much. Would you agree that that's probably pretty universal? I would think so. Yeah, that sounds sensible to me. So here's the challenge, how we express that desire or goal or purpose for getting into the organization is very different based on our natural communication style. So one person who may be wanting to give back and and just serve in the community may do it in a way that's like, Hey, you know, we have a lot to do, so we got to get stuff done and, and here are the steps that we need to do that I feel like we need to do. And by being controlling, they're not hearing the voices of other people who have value and desire to do the same. So you're, you know, you're all about efficiency and task rather than collaboration and, and gaining, you know, uh, you know, with a nonprofit, it, it's not all about efficiency. And, and that can be frustrating to that type of personality, but they may go about achieving the goal very differently than someone else who is very others focused and who is very uh, affiliative and collaborative naturally. Now, the, the problem that that a naturally affiliative and collaborative person may have is that if they're the leader, what will happen sometimes is they'll have a person that I just described that is very, hey, we got to get things done. We got to move this meeting along. You know, we're wasting a lot of time. And drama may ensue that they feel uncomfortable addressing. And so now all of a sudden you have an environment where there's conflict and dysfunction and the person who's leading is not necessarily comfortable confronting it right away because they just want everybody to, to you know, behave and uh, be the, on their best behavior. And so they may not address it. And so those louder voices may start to uh, take over and that can create other disengagement and shutdown. And people are like, in today's world, Christian, I just don't have time for that drama. So I'm not going to go to that meeting anymore. I'm not going to show up because they just don't have their, their stuff together. And this happens day in and day out. In today's world, we are much less likely to put up with bad behavior than ever before. We'd rather just, hey, just send me the, send me the notes on the meeting, what you talked about. I don't want to go through the dysfunction. And because people are unaware and and a lot of communication is helping them be aware, that's great. But what's not happening in a lot of the, the training and development is how to begin to shift your behavior to uh, really create that engagement and that conversation in a way that is so much more effective and powerful and it brings the best of, of everybody. And it's hard. It takes energy. And, and we have to be aware of the energy that it takes and prepare ourselves for that and be willing to do that. If we're just coming and being involved in an organization because we, you know, we're doing what's in it for us, um, then maybe we shouldn't be there. But if we truly are doing 
the work in a nonprofit because we have a desire to make a difference, then part of that sacrifice, if you will, is to is to sacrifice our our natural way of of behaving for what's best for the organization. There was a lot in there. I, I really didn't plan out what I was going to say, but that's this is based on some of my experience. Well, one thing I want to touch on here, Spencer, is the the notion that this is something that takes not only energy and effort, but it takes time to develop this, right? We, right. When we look at skills in the traditional sense, uh, we innately understand that it takes time to develop those skills. If you want to become a musician, it takes a lot of time to become uh, a competent uh, musician, much less a professional musician. When you talk about the certifications, it may take, depending on the certification, weeks or months or even years to earn those certifications as you earned with your certified speaking professional uh, certification. It takes a long time to earn these And yet, sometimes in organizations, we think, oh, we can send so-and-so to this one-hour seminar, (laughs) and then boom, all of a sudden, they're amazing communicators, and then we're surprised when, well, why didn't they learn their lesson? Why are we still having communication problems in these meetings? I sent these guys to this seminar, paid good money for this speaker to come out and talk to them, but not understanding that this is a skill that actually requires time energy and effort to nurture and it's something that actually is built over a lifetime it's not something that you just like flip on the switch and i'm an effective communicator all of a sudden you uh, you you are 100 correct i mean i just i just started putting together a, a proposal for a major uh organization uh worldwide organization and it, it's for exactly this thing it is for communication and and it's you know fortunately they they understand that the problem exists and they're willing to address it and the person asking for it was like uh we want to make sure that it's not just an event that there's sustainable transformation and that takes time and and so the proposal is not just hey let's do a workshop and talk about it we get to work on these skills and you are so right and i think that's part of the problem is is organization, we, we live in an instantaneous society. Anything that we want, we can, I mean, we could talk to jet, chat GPT and get answers that fast. And we're just so impatient. And, you know, one of my favorite discussions we've had is with, with the uh, skater, uh, Scott Hamilton, and you and I have talked about this many, many, many times, but I personally believe that some of our greatest opportunity to, to develop and close that gap that you and I have been describing of high performance in terms of project management or any leadership position in any organization. And the average one is, are these power skills, but it is, it is not the strengths that we naturally have where we get the greatest, greatest marginal benefit by focusing on, right? So for example, if we play golf and my strength is my driver, and I just focus all my energies on getting better with my driver, I'm going to get marginal, marginally better at the game. But if my weakness is the putter, and I focus more on my weakness, I can, I'm already good at the driver, I can make, just by focusing on that driver, I can make really a, a 
exponential improvement in my overall game by working a little bit on that on that weakness is is that making sense it totally it totally makes sense and coming back to the the point that it takes time and effort to work on the driver or on that's the right. putter right and it's, it's not like oh. because that's a, it's a weakness and we just want things to to come naturally and quickly to us yeah you know it's not like oh i watch phil mickelson's dvd on putting and all of a sudden I'm a putting genius. No, I mean, you have to, maybe that's helpful. It helps give you some guidance, but then you have to go in and you actually have to put in the work. That's right. The reps. And the reps, the reps. As Scott Hamilton, and when you mentioned him, his weakness that he pointed out to us was skating the compulsory exercises. Compulsory figures, yeah. <laughs> over and over and over again. And that was his weakness. And he knew that if he wanted to become world champion, he was going to have to overcome those weaknesses. And so he put a lot of effort into those compulsory exercises and just like, you know, putting a lot of effort into the putter. Or if my, if I have a weakness with uh, communication, I, I can't just, I can't just skate by and say, well, I'm going to focus on my, my problem solving skill. If I have poor communication skills, I won't be able to really achieve my full, full potential. It doesn't mean that you have to become expert and the world best at every single thing. Uh, but you've got to at least raise that quote unquote weakness to a level where it's not hampering your ability to to realize your potential. You know, so I'll give you an example of a conversation I had yesterday with a, a young professional who works in the construction industry, specifically in a recruiting field. So recruiting of of uh, construction professionals. So helping the companies fill that gap that we're talking about of shortage of, of demand for that, for those backlogs of projects. And she works in an industry that is uh, in a company that is owned by her father. And she never wanted to work in the industry, but she got excited about it recently and recognizes that she has, uh, some blind spots and, and some, some weaknesses. And so she attended one of my communication workshops and she was surprised at the results and she's high conformity, also high extroversion. So she's outgoing, she's friendly, but she has this perfectionism uh, bent to her. That is the highest trait that causes, and, and she acknowledged it, but she just, you know, other, so that's another problem. Sometimes we have shoddy uh, behavioral assessments that don't accurately help us identify what our strengths and weaknesses are. We get a, a general sense, but they really don't help us dial in what, what the real problems are. And, and that's a problem I see a lot. And so I like to use a tool that is uh, highly accurate. And there are many of them. There's a lot of good ones out there. But what we were able to do is based on this, then we were able to look at certain behaviors. If this is your profile, then it is possible that several of these behaviors are problematic for you. And we went through the list and she's like, I just got this feedback that I am indecisive and I take too long because of her perfectionism. She ruminates on, on decisions too long and is not taking, is not taking action. Well, that's actually a power skill, right? Being decisive and, and saying, okay, uh, I have to think about, and sometimes we can take too long being, uh, democratic or hearing all the information and studying all the, the, and hearing all the voices that are there. And we may miss opportunities. Sometimes we, we, we may jump to opportunities too quickly and not hear enough of the voices. So a big part of the power skill is to know the balance. When do I need to, 
to to take you know more decisive action when do i need to back up and and create more engagement and that's tough and a lot of times how we naturally behave especially when we're under pressure which most of us are it's harder to recognize in the moment what we should do we just go with what is natural and for her what is natural is to equivocate to to hoe and you know hem and haw and, and not make a decision so she's zeroed in on that one behavior and that's the negative behavior indecisive so what we do is we focus on what is the positive behavior decisively making uh, being decisive and taking action that's the behavior that she wants to to create and so every day she is going to self-evaluate how did i do today at being decisive and taking action and she's going to evaluate herself on just asking that question did i do my best to do that and it's a self-coaching technique christian and and she can ask herself that question every day and rate herself and i said so how did you do today do you think and she says i was about a six i go okay great now when you have a bad day when you're six or even less don't judge yourself because that's a negative you know that, that that focuses on our failure focus on why you struggled with being decisive and taking action. What was happening? Was it uncomfortable? Was it stressful? So you're creating more awareness around the behavior that you want and what is preventing you from getting there. And without judgment, without being negative, and then what will happen is every week you're going to average your score. And once you get that one behavior, being decisive and taking action, to an average of eight or nine, you have closed the gap on that one behavior and now you can start working on another the key is is that so often we just want to get better at everything all at once and i think there's a movie about that right everything all at once right <laughs> won a lot of awards from what i heard <laughs> not reality but so focus on one to two things only because it takes energy it takes focus to work on those blind spots and, and and it takes reps as you've talked about and once you feel like you've gotten that one under control then work on another one and slowly over time we start to make the these incremental changes that make a huge impact on team engagement on on our professional uh success and and we will be in more demand why because under pressure, we're able to adapt and either be assertive or be collaborative. We're able to speak up. We're able to shut up. We're able to focus on details. We're able to get strategic and focus on the big picture. It's the adaptability that is what we need to be able to have in our communication, in our behavior. And under pressure, we struggle to adapt. We, we focus instead on what we're most naturally comfortable with. And that's where we want to... Uh, that's what I want to be able to help people to do is to adapt. And I think a lot of communication training does not focus on that adaptation in my experience. Well, to me, the, the content of this report and the message you're communicating to, to our listeners and our viewers today is a message of hope Yeah, that if you can, adapt if you can develop some of these power skills if you can become a better communicator you'll always find demand for your services uh whether it's through uh with another employer as a consultant with clients uh, whatever it may be uh and that's the real power 
and these power skills is the winds of change are blowing crazy gale force winds, uh, especially since this pandemic started. But you can actually build a solid foundation that will serve you for many years, if not the rest of your life, if you develop these power skills. So Spencer, thank you so much for enlightening us today and, and, and showing us how we can actually do this. You know, thank you. I just gave you a, a little idea and, uh, you know, it's interesting. I was uh, tell one more story. I was speaking at a, uh, a PMI conference in Puerto Rico in 2018, four and a half years ago. And I was, there was, I don't know, 350 people there. I was the closing keynote speaker. The opening keynote speaker was Jim Snyder. He's one of the original six founding members of Project Management Institute. At that time, it was the 50-year anniversary, I believe. Uh, I, I, I think it was. Anyway, he, a long time ago, he, he helped found this, this organization. And after I spoke, he said to me, he says, you know, Spencer, most project managers don't struggle with those technical aspects. It was, it, it's been a problem for, for years and years and years, and it still is. And he said, they mostly struggle with the leadership, with the communication, with the soft skills, with the power skills. We, soft skills is not a good word for those things. Uh, I, I learned that the reason why we use that word comes from the, the US military. And what they considered hard skills was you know, handling uh, equipment, uh, machines, guns, right? No, knowledge of how to work the tank and the soft skills was the managing of the of the platoon or the the company of the people and motivating them. And they found that the quote unquote soft skills had a huge impact on the battlefield. It's not just the technical skills of knowing how to you know take the gun apart and put it back together and shoot it. It's how do you get people to attack? in the right place and to not be overcome by the fog of war. These are the power skills that are applying in the job every single day. It's like we're on the battlefield. I mean, and many times we get the fog of war and that's stress and pressure and anxiety and uncertainty. And it's those power skills or what the army called the soft skills that are going to make all the difference in winning, winning the battle. And it's been known for a long time. We just get to start doing it the right way and, and investing more over a long period of time and not becoming tired. And I love what you said. It's like, hey, I've been to, I've been to a couple se seminars and, and they don't work. Or I've taken a survey and, and uh, I'm not any better. No, keep at it. Keep at it and, and find uh, a practitioner or somebody in, that will teach you and people within your organization how to, how to develop these skills the right way. And uh, I think that makes all the difference. Wow. Well, the, 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 the nuggets of knowledge and wisdom have been uh, showering on us here today. Spencer, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge. I, I totally agree. Nobody would go to a seminar on playing a guitar for or a half day workshop and expect to be Eddie Van Halen or <laughs> Jimmy Page or, you know, <laughs> any of the greats overnight. I mean, it just doesn't happen. It takes a lot of work and effort. And I, I appreciate you really highlighting that for our learners and highlighting or, or Neil Peart on the drums to, you know, to Neil on the drums or Mike Mangini or, you know, Mike Portnoy or any of these uh, fantastic drummers, uh, John Bonham, 
Oh, now you're talking my leg. Yeah. I love those syncopated <laughs> offbeat rhythms that John Bonham led Zeppelin with. That was, yeah. see, uh, now you're talking uh, our These language. are people who've dedicated their lives to that. And that's not necessarily, not, you know, I'm not trying to say that you got to spend, you know, eight hours a day on communication skills necessarily, but, uh, but it does take effort and practice and reps to become good at anything that you want to do. And, and I appreciate you just giving it to us real here. You are helping so many organizations around the world. You've just mentioned from Cyprus to Puerto Rico to whoever, wherever. Uh, you know, if people are looking to improve their team performance, improve their communication, their problem solving, their leadership uh, skills for themselves or their teams, what's the best way for them to contact you, Spencer? Oh, listen, if you're in Singapore, or Bangalore, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, if you're in Lima or Puma, <laughs> I don't know where that place is. Uh, same place, uh, LinkedIn, Spencer Horn, and uh, I'd love to. I'd love to chat with you. And and Christian, same thing. I mean, you are so valuable to the organizations that have engaged you. I know you're, you're steeped in, uh, right now working on events here for this, you know, uh, Utah and, and Northern Utah in the, uh, bringing the Olympics and you are so valued. Your voice is, is sought after by many. Um, as a matter of fact, why don't we preempt a, a an upcoming episode that you have engineered because of your relationships? You want to shout out a little bit to that, what we may be talking about? Uh, yes, uh, uh, super excited. We'll have the chief executive officer of the Salt Lake City, Utah Committee for the Games, as it's called. Uh, Fraser Bullock will be joining us in April. So the 11th of April at 10 a.m. Mountain Time, uh, Fraser will be joining us. He built what many consider, including myself, to be perhaps the most high-performing, enjoyable team in my career and in talking with a lot of my coworkers, they feel the same way. And we'll get to learn how he went about doing that with Mitt Romney and Ed Einan, who were kind of the triumvirate and leading the organizing committee from the scandal that nearly just uh, you know, nearly canceled the games in Salt Lake. Uh, and then, you know, coming out of 9-11 to deliver a games that, has had a lasting impact on the community and certainly on the lives of the people who worked in it. And so I'm, I'm super excited to have Frazier join well, us. Well, and, and you're humble because you were a big part of that success. And so how do people find you? Uh, because I know that uh, Frazier and Ed and all those guys really value uh, what you brought to, to the team as well. And so how can, how can people find you? Uh, just same LinkedIn, look up Christian Napier on LinkedIn uh, and happy to connect with anyone. So, Spencer, enjoy the spring. We'll see you uh, shortly for a wonderful lunch at our favorite hangout, Red Iguana. Listeners and viewers, thank you for joining us. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. We'll catch you again soon.